You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Unveiled, Part 5. Enjoy. I'm so glad about it. I want you to, to be ready when you come to receive from the Holy Spirit. This is not, quote, unquote, a church service. This is a time of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You may not be used to that, but we want you to to become familiar with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Far too often, we were trained to go to church services. We were trained to sit in a pew and and go through the traditions that, that previous generations have gone through. That's not what happens here. We want to experience Jesus now. And I'm so glad to tell you, he hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We sang that song, Good, Good Father. Have you read in the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts that he went about teaching and preaching and healing? It says all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. There are some who say that doesn't happen anymore. Let me ask you a question. Would God be a good father if he sent his son into the earth and demonstrated his nature and will to us for over three years and then all of a sudden stopped it? Let's be honest. Would he be good? Of course not. Why did he send Jesus into into the earth? To show us the will of the Father. This is my will that every sickness and every disease would would be released from mankind that people would be made whole from the top of their head to the soles of our feet. You've got to be ready because Jesus is going to blow your mind. Are you willing to let go of your traditions? That's a big question, isn't it? Sometimes we take solace in our traditions because we're so familiar with them. But I'm telling you this, when you come to know the real Jesus, he's going to blow the lid off your traditions because he's so much greater than anything you've ever known. I'm telling you, you don't have a problem. You have no problems. Jesus is the answer to every problem. The only thing you need is to know how good he is. It's through the knowledge of him that we experience his will in our lives. Knowledge of his goodness, knowledge of his will, knowledge of what he's done for you is all you need. I guarantee you that God has provided the answer for every quote-unquote problem in your life. But too often tradition has put God off to the side as well. Yeah, ultimately, you know, someday he'll be the answer when I get to heaven. But right now, I've just got to struggle through this. I'm so glad Jesus didn't teach that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our tradition taught what Jesus taught and wasn't contrary to it? Wouldn't that be a life changer? Right? If our tradition taught that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and just like he healed in Matthew, he heals today, and that everything he did when he was in the earth was was an inauguration of the new life you have today through faith in him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We welcome you. If you're here for the first time, just put on your seatbelts because we're going for a ride. And we're leaving here stronger than when we came in. Don't be offended. We just want Jesus. All of us have pasts and all of us have things we've clung to, some of us for decades and generations. But I want you to know that there is no one sweeter than the person of Jesus Christ. And there's no one that loves you like he loves you. And if you'll just let go and let him be your God, everything will change. 
So uh, Jennifer and, and Eden and Mariah are at a women's conference. They're ministering there. We give a shout out to them. They're at Nantucket at Jesus Camp. Let's say, hey, Nantucket. Hey, Nantucket. So I really got to thank Judah and Dana for taking care of me this week. I would have died if they would have not been in the house with me. They've been helping out, and Dana's been making some meals. They're just amazing. Such awesome young people. Just a great young man, young woman. So Judah and Dana, I thank you guys for, for just being you. You're really a blessing to your, your parents and to so many others. God is so good. So they'll, they'll be coming back tonight, and uh, they'll be here for next Sunday. But we're going to focus, continue moving forward in our series, Unveiled. And we found that Jesus came to unveil to us the nature of the Father. People's minds were cloudy. They were believing things about God that weren't true. Wrong beliefs about God are like a veil over our minds and over our hearts. And it doesn't matter how many people agree with you, a wrong belief will blind you. See, truth is not dependent upon how many agree with it, right? Truth has never been a majority thing. Truth is a person. Truth is not an idea. It's not a philosophy. It's not a religion. Truth is a person. His name is Jesus. Now, whether I agree with him or not, he's still the same. So uh, what I believe doesn't determine what truth is. What I believe does determine how much truth I personally will experience. So about 30 years ago, maybe a little longer actually, is before I was saved, I began a quest for truth. And I decided I was going to remove, drag to the trash, any thought or belief in my mind or heart that it was contrary to truth. Then I came to know Christ. And I began to diligently study Jesus in the scriptures. And I found out I had a lot of stuff to drag to the trash. A lot of stuff. It became a daily practice for me. Because <laughs> every time I would read what Jesus would say and see what he would do, I'm like, why didn't someone tell me that? I was in church my whole life and I never heard that stuff. Isn't that something? I never knew how good God was. So man, I was regularly just... You know, dragging stuff to the trash. Holy Spirit was helping me, you know. And I, it was wonderful. How, how many people over here have, have been on a, a desktop computer or a laptop computer? Most of us, right? If not all of us. You know what? It's not nice to have a cluttered desktop on a computer. Same is true with a, a, a real uh, desk, right? I like having a clean desktop physically and virtually, Right? And that's what began happening in my mind when I began to drag those wrong beliefs to the trash. My desktop became clear. Have you ever had a desktop that was cluttered and you went through the painstaking process of taking everything on that desk and putting it in its place and filing things that needed to be filed in the right files so you knew where they were when you needed them? That's a very uh, freeing process. And when you're all done, everything that was on there has been processed, been put in its place, and it's like you can breathe differently. I can think differently now. I can see differently. My I can see my desktop. It's shiny. 
right? And I can, I can now pull out a blank piece of paper and create and write and, and, and let the things inside of me come out. See, when there's all this clutter on top of your desk, what's inside of you is kind of like looking for an avenue to come out. But it's hard when wrong beliefs are filling your mind. That's what wrong beliefs are. They're clutter in the desktop of our mind, in the inner workings of our lives. And we want to get the, and the Holy Spirit will help you if you're willing. That's all, you just got to be willing. And, and he's the best uh, cleaner you'll ever find. He will, get your, he will get your operating system in perfect working order, free from every virus, free from every worm and bug. And he'll cause it to work as it was designed to work. But it just begins by simply looking at Jesus. And if I study Jesus in the scriptures and I come across uh, his, something he says or does that's different from what I believe, I remove what I believe and I put him in there. And now what he says, I choose to believe instead of what I was told or what I chose to believe previously. Okay? It's that simple process that opens the door for God to flood into our lives. So we're all going to go home and clean our desktop. Right? Awesome. So we asked you to do some homework a couple weeks ago. Do you guys remember what your homework was? To focus on, I mean purposefully, deliberately focus on how much God loves you. Remember that? I mean, purposefully focus on how much God loves you. That means if you're going through the day and you start having discouraging thoughts about a circumstance or a situation or about a mistake you just made or about something you forgot to do that you should have done or about something you did you wish you didn't do, whatever it might be, or a condemning thought, any kind of negative thought, you purposefully and immediately shift your attention to how much he loves you and how much he's covered you with his love. In other words, when I say God loves me, that means my problems will be solved. See, the love of God has to translate into a practical reality or it's of no benefit to you. I don't like ethereal ideas that I can't touch. I need a practical reality. I need the love of God to show up in my life, and we all do. But see, man's philosophy relegates things like love and spiritual things into some ethereal, uh, invisible thing that you can't ever touch. But, but the scriptures tell us that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Right? It's the substance of things not seen. So when I put my faith in God's love for me, that means that he's on, that he's accomplishing the things that concern me. That means that every promise he's made from Genesis to Revelation has become mine in Christ. Did I make that up? Is that a promise in the word of God? For no matter how how many promises God has made, they are yes and amen in Christ, right? And through him, we say amen to the glory of God. In other words, when God God loved me so much, he gave me everything he could give. He gave me his son. And that encompassed the, the entire sphere of my existence. He left nothing. I'm talking about a love that forgets nothing. A love that leaves no detail of your life out. 
I'm talking about a comprehensive, 100%, 360, 4D love. That's what you've been thinking about. He loves me even though I just did something I shouldn't have done or I forgot to do something I should have done. His love's going to work it out. His love has already made a way for me before I messed up. See, this love is practical. It has to do with your mistakes. It has to do with your daily functioning. It's a love that fixes your daily mistakes. I hope you're listening because this is good. It's a love that's daily real. It's a love that's real in the things you do at 10 a.m. on a Monday morning. It's a love that's real when you're in your office or when you're on the job site and you, you forgot to bring a certain tool with you or there's a, something has developed in the project you're working on and you've never seen it before and you don't know how to do it. He loves you. Well, what does that mean? He'll show you how. He'll show you how to do things you've never done before. He'll provide the tools and resources you need to do on the spot. That's his love. His love means he's personally present in my life. I'm going through life with him leading the way. <laughs> now, not only are we meditating on how much he loves us, but I want to add another uh, dimension to your assignment, to your homework. You're meditating on how much he loves you and on how amazing you are. Okay? Two things, how much he loves you and on how amazing you are. We're not talking about arrogance or conceit. We're talking about appreciating and realizing the uniqueness of you. That you are the only you God ever created. There will never be another you. Could you put Ephesians 2.10 up there, please? These are the two things we're focusing on. If you'll focus on these two things, you watch and see how the rest of your life just begins to settle and shift and move and bow to his love for you. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus before we put our faith in Christ, right? We were sinners. We were lost. We were separated from God. When we put our faith in Christ, we were recreated. We were born anew, born from above, Jesus said, or born again, that we may do those good works which God predestined. That just means planned beforehand for us taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. There's so much in this verse and I'm not going to go into the depths of it, but this is a great verse to meditate on this week. This is how important you are. You're so important that, of, that of all, out of all of the moments of time since moment one, God chose this moment in time to bring you into the earth. Earth needs you to be on it, to be breathing, to be walking around on it, to be interacting with God on it. Earth needs you to know how much God loves you so that you can take your place and realize how important you are in his plan. 
You're not a, 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 a sub-Christian or a, or a sub-son or daughter of God. You become his son through Jesus. You become his daughter through Jesus. You're just as important in this earth as Jesus was in the earth. That's not blasphemy. You're going to see what I'm talking about just as we go forward today. Jesus came into the earth so that he would not be the, the last begotten of God. He was the first begotten of God. He came that there would be many more like him popping up all over on every continent. This is how important you are. You're significant. You matter to God and you matter to the people around you even if they don't know it. You're in this earth and your presence in this earth is making a big difference. See, the Holy Spirit wants to not only unveil Christ to you because as he unveils Christ to us, the real us is unveiled as well. But he wants to unveil to you God's master plan, which was put into effect through Jesus and is to be carried out through you today. So many don't know this. The master plan that God implemented through Jesus is to be carried on through you. I don't know of anything more important than that. The master plan that God put into effect by sending his son into the earth is to be carried on by us. What did Jesus say? John 14, 12. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He'll do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. I'll do whatever you ask in my name. You may ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. Jesus said some mind-blowing things. Don't deprive yourself. Grab a hold of them. Know them. Stick them in your mind and in your heart and never let them go again. Let them take you into a whole new dimension of living. Religion can't go here. This is where God walks. This is where his sons and daughters walk. This is the realm of the spirit, the realm of life. Oh, man, we're taking off, I'm telling you. Come with me. So listen, let's talk about this. Let's get into this. See how far we get today. Understand that when mankind entered into sin, the human race got trashed. When Adam chose to believe Satan and take the words of Satan into his heart instead of the words of his heavenly father, Satan stole the sovereignty that God gave Adam over the earth. He stole that authority and the curse of sin entered into the world through who? Through Adam, through a man. We're gonna look at some scriptures on this. Put up Romans 5.17. Before we read it, let me say that again. The curse of sin entered into into the human race and into the earth through a man named Adam, the first man that God ever made. Right? And it messed everything up. It's important to understand that. I mean, we've been taking walks, the kids and I, last couple days and appreciating the, the, the beautiful things we're seeing. It's amazing the difference in the leaves in just one day. 
between uh, one walk and another, and, and it's beautiful to a point, but compared to what God originally created, it stinks. It's fallen apart. It's trashed. See, you, you're, so, you're used to looking out there and saying, wow, this is so beautiful, and that's good. And we give God praise for his creation. But you need to know this. If you'll study the scriptures, you'll find it's not even close to what it was like when he first created it. Sin trashed God's creation. The curse of sin is upon the earth. This is just the truth. We're not talking negative. If you don't know this, you're not going to be able to embrace what he's done for you. You need to realize the fallen world we're living in. We need a savior. We need a new kind of life. We need an internal power supply. You can become so used to the broken that you will reject the reality of wholeness. You can just get used to the way things are in this world that when someone like me starts saying the things I'm saying, you just reject it because it seems like a fantasy. But it's true nonetheless. You can, you can actually identify, you can make broken your identity instead of wholeness. Christ came to give you a new identity. That identity is wholeness. That identity is sonship. That identity is freedom. That identity is strength. That identity is wisdom. That identity is the resurrection power of Christ. Romans 5.17 For if by the transgression of the one, that's Adam, death reigned over the earth through Adam, much more, because life's more infinitely more powerful than death, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So what do we need to do to walk in victory over sin and death? We need to receive two things. What? The abundance of his grace and what? The gift of his righteousness. That's it. Many believers have yet to appreciate and receive and enjoy these two things. Because they're told what they have to do is atone for their sins. They've got to do this. They've got to do that. They've got to go through this ritual. They've got to say these prayers. They've got to go to church every day. They've got to read their Bible every day. They've got to do all these things. And hopefully the more they do those things, the better they'll get. <laughs> you can't fix yourself. You can read the Bible every day for the rest of your life. It won't change you until you put your faith in Jesus Christ. It won't. It'll just be a dead, dry book to you. But once you put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive the abundance, that means there's more than enough, than you, more than you'll ever need, the abundance of his grace, which you didn't earn, you, we can never earn. Notice that both of these things we have nothing to do with, right? His grace, it's all him. His righteousness, it's all him. That's why it's a gift. 
It changes the whole dynamic of our relationship with him. We realize that he really is our supply of everything, everything that is good, that our role is a receiving role, and his role was a role of action, and he did it through his son. We've received, we're in a receiving mode, the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness. Look at verse 18. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted man, condemnation to everybody. No one was exempt from this. Before I knew Christ, I could have, I could have walked people's dogs. I could have helped people cross the street. I could have given money to charity. It wouldn't have changed my nature. I was still lost. I was still a sinner. If you're a sinner, no amount of good deeds, no amount of good things you can do can set you free from sin. But that's what religion teaches. Keep doing these good deeds and hopefully you'll get better. It doesn't work. We need a complete overhaul. We need a redo. Jesus is the redo that you need to live life the way life was meant to be lived. He's the restart. He's the reboot of your system. And now, consequently, did we reverse 18 yet? We did? Did we just read that? Yes? No. We read 17, right? We didn't read 18 yet. Okay, we did. Why well, are we going to read it again? So then, as through one transgression, there was all, yeah, we stopped at all men. That's right. Even so, through one act of righteousness. So just like before we put our faith in Christ, nothing could set us free from sin. We, it didn't matter. You could do 100 right things a day and I would do 75. We're both filthy. You understand what I'm saying? Well, in the same way now, look, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to everybody. Now, what does that mean? Same deal. Before Christ, no matter what I did, I was condemned. Couldn't change it. In Christ, no matter what I do, I'm righteous. Can you handle that? No matter what I do. I can go out tomorrow, I'm not planning on it, but I can steal some Doritos from Walmart. I'll still be righteous. It's a sin, right? But my standing with God is righteousness. And I guarantee you this, if I'm receiving the abundance of his grace, the gift of his righteousness, the Holy Spirit, he'll be, he'll be moving in my heart. And if I go to do something like that, he's going to convict my heart. I'm not going to want to do it. See, grace will teach you how to live. Grace will teach you to pay for your Doritos. It will. Look at the message translation, verse 18. Here it is in a nutshell. That's what I, I need a nutshell. I need a, a, a complete, simple reality that works in my real life. Religion's not it. Jesus is. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, death another person did it right and, ye, and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. The best that religion could ever hope for is maybe getting out of trouble. 
But Jesus didn't just get us out of trouble. He got us into a brand new life, a resurrection life, a life of intimacy with the one who made us, a life where the spirit of God is living inside of us, where Satan has been defeated, where the curse of sin has been broken over our lives, and Jesus has become our all in all. Look in the Passion Translation, verse 18. In other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, so through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available to everybody. That's what I'm talking about. We watched, uh, I had never seen it before, and, uh, and I talked about the Matrix uh, before in different messages, and, and David said, hey, have you ever seen it? And he gave me the DVD, and so we watched it, and uh, it's from 1999. And I thought it was an interesting movie. I, had a, I, I watched it in a, uh, we have a DVD player called Clear Play, so it can block out all the stuff you don't want to see, per se. But, uh, or here. But anyway, um, I like the plot of the movie. Uh, it, it was basically to sum it up, it, everyone's going through their daily life and you know, doing the things they do and not realizing that the life they're living is fake. And this guy who's living this fake life is starting to search and wonder what's going on. And, and this guy from the realm of truth gets a hold of him. I forget his name. Morpheus. Is it Morpheus? Okay gets a hold of him. And this guy, this, there, there's these human beings that have, have seen through the lie. And they realize that, that the world is not as, as, as people think it is, that there's a deeper reality. And as he's being brought into this deeper reality, at one point he just says, I don't believe it. He just rejects it. I just, I can't, because uh, uh. he's so used to what he's seen. He's so used to living the way he's living, he, that when truth is presented to him, he rejects it. Listen, the same can happen to you. When you come to a place like this, you're going to get Jesus. We're endeavoring to do everything we can to just give you Jesus without any additives or preservatives. Okay? But what I, when you get into just Jesus, I'm telling you, it will blow your mind. And, you, and even, even, even there are times in my life after walking with him for 30 years, I, I'll have like, oh, that, that, just, that just can't be Oh, wait a minute, Jesus really did do that. I have, to, I have to remind myself of what he's said and done. Because what he's done in my life and where he's leading me is impossible. That's where he, he lives in that realm of, of what man calls impossible. That's where he lives. If you want to walk with him, you got to let go of what you think is possible. Thank you, Father, for a new generation. Thank you for a different, a different caliber of believers in the earth today who let go of the old and embrace the new. God, I thank you, Lord. Boy, he's speaking to me right now about a, a, a group of people, a large group of people in this region who let go of the old and embrace the new and do things like Jesus did them. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 
So because sin entered through this one man, the problem can only be fixed through a man. Okay? And this solution, the Bible in one translation refers to it as God's master stroke. What was this solution that's relevant to your life? What is this plan God wants you in on? God knew that this problem of sin could only be solved by a man, and he also knew every man blew it since Adam. That he needed a man, a human being in flesh and blood that would come through the womb of a woman into the earth and perfectly obey him for his entire life. And he knew the only way that that could happen is if he asked his son to come into the earth. And that's what he did. That was the master stroke that the demons and and Satan could have never figured it out. He asked his son in a private meeting, son, I want you to lay down your glory and invade earth. I'm going to conceive you in the womb of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. You're going to be born a baby and grow up as a man. You're going to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. And you're going to demonstrate to the world how much I love them. You're going to to raise up disciples. You're going to to teach men and women the reality of who I am. And then you're going to pay for their sins. You're going to bear the, the, the punishment of every sin man has ever committed or will ever commit. And you're going to die. We're going to be separated. You're going to go to hell and pay full price for every sin that's ever been committed. But on the third day, the Holy Spirit, my spirit, is going to make you new and, and you'll be born from among the dead. And you'll come out of that tomb and you'll appear to your disciples for 40 days and demonstrate to them the realities of the resurrection. And then you're going to come back to me, son, and you're going to sit at my right hand, and when you get back here, I'm sending the Holy Spirit into the earth. And he's not just going to be in the earth like he was in the Old Testament. Now he's going to be living in my sons and daughters. And they're going to do what you did in your ministry and greater things than these. That's a little summary of the private meeting they had. It's on Google. You can Google it. This is God's master stroke. So we're going to read something, that, the, the final passage. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and read about this master plan. Because I want you to know something. Here at Highway Church, we're relying on the Holy Spirit for everything. For everything. For everything, for every area of our lives. We're relying on him for our present. We're relying on him to fix anything that needs to be fixed in the past. And we're relying on him for our future. And every dimension of that. And when we gather in our worship services, we're relying on him for revelations of Christ. Don't let the word revelation throw you. It just means revealing, taking away of the veil. That's what we're relying on. And I want you to know this, that God wants to personally interact with you and reveal himself to you and through you as you go through your day. 
And the Holy Spirit will reveal to you regularly three things. And Highway Church, you know them. First of all, who Jesus is, the real Jesus, not man's religious Jesus, but the real living, breathing, destroyed death, destroyed the curse of sin Jesus, heals the sick Jesus, raises the dead Jesus, makes the blind see Jesus, makes the deaf hear Jesus, makes the lame walk Jesus, makes the maimed whole Jesus. That Jesus. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you three things, who Jesus really is, what he has already done for you. It's called the finished work. What he's accomplished, already done, through his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. The third thing is who you are now in Christ. That you have become the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. These are the three things we emphasize at Highway Church. And well, let's start reading now. How are we doing? Okay? 1 Corinthians 2. Woo, hot dog. Here we go. Verse 1. You'll remember, friends, this is the Apostle Paul talk, talking. You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, that's the plan we just talked about, the private conversation and the plan. I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. Verse 2. <laughs> I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Here's the vision of Highway Church right here. Who he is. Then Jesus and what he did. <laughs> Jesus crucified, that's a phrase for the finished work of Christ. In other words, what he did through his suffering, crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. Right? That's what, the Paul, that's what Paul preached. That's what we preach here. Again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to challenge you to let go of junk. It's going to challenge you to embrace concepts of life you didn't know existed. But it's okay. Whew. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. That's why we preach Jesus. If you're not preaching who he is and what he's done, what are you preaching? See, quote-unquote churches should be a, a, a place where people come to learn who he is and experience him, to learn what he's done and experience it, to learn who they are and live it, walk in it. Verse 3, the Passion Translation. I stood before you feeling inadequate. Why? Because you're so important. You're so important to God. This plan is so important. It's worth our whole life. It's worth us giving of all of our time, energy, resources, talents, and gifts. That's how important this is. 
feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God. And I feel this every time we gather. Trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message of God's master stroke came through anyway. God's spirit and God's power did it. Someone was sharing with me before the service how their kids love to come here. And I said, and that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's a joy in this atmosphere and every generation loves it. You come in this place, you just feel this joy, there's an excitement, there's an expectation, there's a peace, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit, God's power does that. Verse 5, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power. Not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. Verse 5, for God intended that your faith not, not be established on man's wisdom. Not be established on man's wisdom. Boy, is there a letting go there. Wow. That your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in God's almighty power. That your faith not be in the traditions of men. Do you know every religion of man has some truth in it? Every one of them. Every religion, even cults, have some element of truth in it, some more than others. But we're not interested in that. We want a personal relationship with truth himself. I don't want a little bit here with some other junk on top of it. I need pure truth. So we are not promoting a religion here. We're promoting a relationship with the person of Christ. That can be a, a frightening thing to your flesh. Because people are going to reject you for this. Your own family might reject you. Why did you leave our tradition? What's wrong with you? Have you lost your mind? Just tell them yes. I have the mind of Christ now. They're going to call 911, right? It's true. We're going to see that if we get to the end of this passage. So what's our faith to be established on? God's almighty power. Encourage yourself in this. Do you believe in God for things? Financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, in any area of your life? Don't let your faith be based on what other people have or have not experienced. Let it be based on the almighty power of God. On the power of God. What did Jesus, don't put it up there, stay here, in Acts 1.8. He said, you'll be clothed with power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What happened when they were clothed with power from on high in Acts chapter 2 and 3? They began speaking in other tongues. Why? God knows where the power is. 
Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21, right? God knows how you work. When they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, their tongue was supercharged with the resurrection power of Christ. They began speaking in other tongues, declaring the wonders of God in their lives and over the people around them and in the earth. Don't you know Satan comes against this? He makes people afraid of speaking in tongues. He tells people it's not for today. You shouldn't do it in the, in the presence of other believers and all of these things. And the Bible doesn't teach that. In fact, in the book of Acts, when the apostles traveled around, it was the speaking in tongues that was the sign that confirmed they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know this is shocking. Don't turn it off. Please hear what I'm saying. I'm not interested in man's ideas, right? Our, our faith is not established on man's wisdom. So what happened at some point? We're back in the book of Acts now and it's still being written, right? It's being written right here in this warehouse, right? So somewhere along the line, some believer attempted to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't speak in tongues, so they came to a conclusion it must not be happening anymore. So they began teaching other, well, you know, I, I, I prayed like they prayed, but it didn't happen to me, so maybe God's not doing that anymore. You'd be amazed at how much doctrine is created based on this. So a person tries to do what they see in the Bible, it doesn't happen for them, so they conclude that God has changed, or, or that was just for a special time. Don't ever base what you believe on what you have or have not experienced. Base what you believe on the almighty power of God. I refuse to experience anything less than what Christ has done for me, than what has been written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. That's our reality. That's where we live. That's who we are. That's the God that is living inside of us. And see, when you'll take this stance, you'll end up receiving what you were trying to receive before. But if I say, well, you know, that's just, God's not doing that anymore. And then I, you know, I end up building a, a group of people around me who believe the same thing. Then we build churches teaching the same thing. Now we've got generations who have been believing that. And we say, yeah, that happened, you know, back in the day. And, and, and now what have we done? We've closed the door to the power of God. And then, then other things get built on top of that. Let's keep reading. We don't want to do that. We don't want our faith to be built on the wisdom of men, on religious tradition, but on God's almighty power. He hasn't changed. He's the same. Look at the message translation. We, of course, have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground. What is firm spiritual ground? Better question, who is firm spiritual ground? Firm spiritual ground is when I am committed to know the person of Jesus as written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and that I reject anything contrary to him. That's firm spiritual ground. What is unfirm spiritual ground? I acknowledge Jesus as God and Lord, but I have other thoughts too. I have other beliefs and philosophies too. That's not firm spiritual ground. 
I need to make the person of Jesus Lord of my thought life. That anything that even mildly rubs against him the wrong way is dragged into the trash. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if the Holy Spirit baptizes in fire and, and, and speaking in tongues, then that's going to be my experience. That's what I'll receive. I'm telling you, I've been praying in tongues since 1989. It is one of the most important, powerful things that God could ever give to a human being. And you've got so many believers that are afraid to do it today, have been ridiculed for trying to do it, and, and, and when they're gathered, they, you know, well, you don't do that in public. Paul said, don't forbid speaking in tongues. Don't forbid it. If you read his, his writings in 1 Corinthians, what is it, 14? And it's in there somewhere around there. But if you read and keep it in context, what he was saying is, when you speak in tongues, don't speak in tongues to somebody. What if I came and gave a message to you in tongues? That would be stupid. Why? You're not going to understand it. That's what he's talking about. Don't speak to one another in tongues. And if I'm going to speak to you in tongues, there needs to be an interpretation that follows it by the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. He's not saying when you gather together, no one speak in tongues. Come on, that's how the church began. That's what we do. We pray supernaturally. We pray supernaturally. We're supernatural people. There's a heavenly language this world can't handle, and that's our language. Hallelujah. We, of course, have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you. Once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground, once you fix your focus on Jesus, but it's not popular wisdom, the fashionable wisdom of high-priced experts that will be out of date in a year or so. Isn't that good? I'm telling you, this will not make you popular. Are you willing to be unpopular because of Jesus? What if your whole family rejects you? Every relative. What if every friend you've ever known thinks you're an idiot? Woo! It's worth it. He's so worth it. He's so worth your devotion. He's so worth all that you are. The Passion Translation says, it's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age. Nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Wow. What does that mean? In the spirit realm, there are principalities that bring philosophies to human beings. I don't want to get into that too much, but that's what it's talking about here. It's not talking about political parties and religious groups introducing philosophies. It's talking about spiritual principalities teaching these things, introducing them to man, and man implementing them in the earth. The Bible talks about doctrines of of principalities and of demons. That's what he's talking about here. God's wisdom, verse 7, it goes deep into the interior of his purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. Now, we've got to get used to this because we have technology now, and technology is developed. And there's always going to be a better version of it, right? 
When the beta version comes out, you try it out. So this is kind of cool. I'd like to change that. But listen, God has no beta version. God never has developed. He's never learned anything. He's never guessed at anything. He's never estimated. He's never had to measure anything. He could tell you the dimensions of this room without any yardstick. We're talking about the one who always has been, is now, and will ever be perfect. We've got to get used to this. We're not used to that. We're used to trying to discover and run tests and, and what, does that work? Okay, let's fix that. What if we do this over here? You don't have to do that with him. He always works. He's proven. He's perfect. You see how, what, what a shift in thinking this is. We're not walking with someone who's being developed, who's all of a sudden in 10 years going to figure something out and go back and have to say, you know what, we, what I told you 10 years ago, well, I've learned some things. There's none of that with God. Zero, zilch, zippo. So it's not the latest message, it's the oldest. What God determined as the way to bring out his best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. The Passion Translation. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God. It was hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan destined before the ages to bring you and me into glory. What is glory? The presence of Christ manifests in our daily living. This master plan, it was kept a secret from the principalities. Why was it kept a secret? Because if they would have knew God's master plan, that his son was going to become sin for us, go into hell and pay the price for sin, and rise, and that through faith in him, we'd become new, and Jesus' would stop popping, start popping up all over the earth, Satan would have never crucified Jesus. Because he could have just kept it one on the earth. That would have been his best scenario. All right, all I want is one of this guy. But it wasn't God's best scenario. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. Because I right now can only be in one place at one time. I'm the son of man. I'm walking on earth as a human being. But when I go away, I'm going to send my spirit to live in you so I can be everywhere at the same time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Let's see how, okay, we're almost done. Which none of the princes of this world, the King James Version, knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know the crucifixion didn't kill Jesus? They could have crucified him 700 times. It wouldn't have killed him. Did you know that? It didn't kill him. The only reason he went through that is to suffer the, the, the punishment of our sins. And when that, when his suffering had reached the point when it was enough, then he gave up his spirit. They didn't take it from him. They didn't kill him. 
They crucified him, but they didn't kill him. He gave up his spirit. And he did that because he wanted his family to come into the earth, right? Hallelujah. God is so good. Verse 9 in the message. That's why we have the scripture text, no one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never. Oh boy, is that true? <laughs> Come on, is this just off the charts or what? Never so much as imagine anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. Man, oh man, there's so much here. Hallelujah, verse 10. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit. Verse 10 says, The Spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along. Hallelujah. My goodness, I think I'm going to have to stop here. This is God's plan. You're going to have to let go and let him be God. What else do you have to live for, really? Come on. Your gym membership? Is it really worth it? Your job? Come on, is your job really more important than what God called you to do than following him? When you've got God, follow God with everything you've got, what can you put in this column that equals that? There is nothing. Let's go. Father, thank you for your master stroke. We've never heard of anything like this. We've never even imagined anything like this. That your son, the I am, would lay down his glory and be conceived in the womb of a virgin? What? And come into the earth as a baby? And grow before you and walk with you perfectly? And demonstrate your will and nature to us in the earth? And go to the cross and bear our punishment and sin? And descend into hell? And suffer for three days and be raised up by your spirit anew? and appear to his disciples for 40 days and ascend back to you and sit at your right hand and that your Holy Spirit would descend into the earth and fill us and empower our tongues to pray supernaturally that we'd be clothed with the same dynamite power of Jesus and do the things he did. We've never imagined this, but it's your will. It's your plan. We let go and we let you be God. Holy Spirit, help us to drag stuff to the trash, to clean our desktops, so the only thing we see is you. And all that we believe is firmly grounded in your nature and your will. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you.
If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.